Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. This is a special edition sponsored by Royal London as part of the Responsible Investing, the New Normal series. ESG has become a key part of the asset management and personal finance world in recent years as investors have become increasingly conscious of the impact of their money. A recent paper commissioned by Royal London found that just 15% of consumers thought companies' positive actions were good enough, while more than 80% believed brands were responsible for making positive changes in the world. As popularity increases and further regulation surrounding responsible investing comes into play, what is in store for advisors when discussing such products with their clients? I'm Imogen Chu, reporter at FT Advisor, and joining me today to discuss the possibilities is Alan Chan, director at IFS Wealth and Pensions, Gareth Mee, a sustainable finance consulting partner at EY, and Lorna Blythe, head of investment solutions at Royal London. Welcome to you all, and thanks very much for joining us. Hello, um, So, in general, how quickly is investor sentiment changing on ESG um, and what is kind of driving this? Um, Lorna, maybe I'll go to you on this, please. Yeah, so we're definitely seeing, uh, I think there's kind of a broad move towards more transparency, a requirement for more transparency from companies around their business practices. Um, some of that's been accelerated by COVID and how businesses have responded to that. Um, so we saw, particularly during the pandemic, those that responded well in terms of how they looked after their employees or supported their local communities um, were the ones that were rewarded by shareholders and those that weren't uh, were, you know, uh, suffered in terms of share price. And, and I think that's something that wouldn't have necessarily happened five years ago. So we're definitely seeing a shift that's translating into changing attitudes from customers. And if I think about our own experience, um, I, I would say from kind of last year, it felt like this was going more mainstream. We saw an increase in the number of queries we were getting from advisors and from our policyholders. Uh, in terms of understanding what they owned, they were asking specific questions about specific stocks, uh, about specific sectors. Um, so definitely seeing a, a change and a shift uh, that, that's in, increasing at pace. Maybe just building on that then, Lorna, I completely agree. I think investor sentiment is changing because these topics are so accessible. Everybody believes in something. Some people care about polar bears and the polar ice caps melting. Some people care about fish and plastics, having spent time watching David Attenborough's documentaries. Lots of people care about global warming. Lots of people also care about equality in the workplace. And so all of these are topics that people want to be able to vote for in the way that they invest. Absolutely. Alan, as an advisor, you kind of have the most face time with clients here. What's driving their interest in it, do you think? Um, I have to agree. I think it's um, a lot of it is to do with just general societal shifts. So we've seen big, big you know, changes to the way investors are looking to invest their money. And it's a lot of it is more than just the financial gains. It's also you know, the responsible elements of where their money is going. And on top of that, we're also seeing a lot of changes driven by regulation as well. In addition to that, it's you know, increased media attention and documentaries that Gareth has um, alluded to as well. The David Attenborough's um, Blue Planet 2. I think a lot of our clients have seen that it's around plastic pollution. And it really hits home to just how damaging you know, plastic can be to, to our world. 
And a lot of clients want to you know, start to make changes and, and really make you know, pay more particular attention to where their money is going. And I think a lot of that has driven uh, you know, to behavioural changes and led to things like mass rejection to you know, single-use plastics, plastic packaging, plastic straws, all those are you know, a thing of the past, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess that kind of leads on to the uh, potential kind of pothole for advisors is how can advisors drill down to what investors actually want? Um, it's one thing to say you want to invest ethically, but how can you translate that into an actual portfolio, Lorna? Yeah, I think from our perspective, we probably see two kind of main customer segments and Alan's Alan can probably talk more to this, but we see a kind of growth in, in what we might call moral consumer behavior or this kind of growing desire to do the right thing. And that's a kind of broader general shift around more transparency about what investors are holding um, and wanting to understand about how, how those companies, what they're doing in terms of broader society and, and the impact they're having. And, and our observation would be that that's kind of where the majority, I think, of clients will sit. And then the other kind of segment is those that are specifically looking to prioritise, you know, particular values in the way that um, Gareth talked about, you know, polar bears or, or plastic, where they're looking to prioritise those values um, potentially over financial return. And, and the advisor's role really there is to understand where do their clients sit on kind of that sort of spectrum and how do they tra then translate that into a portfolio Um and, and that group might have specific areas they might want to exclude or, or alternatively and uh, you know, positively focus on. Um, and of course, some of this feeds into the kind of prod framework and advisor client segmentation and, and how they think about um, the, the different types of responsible investing, whether it's exclusions or impact investing or ESG integration um, and, and what that, you know, what the, which clients they have that might sit under each of those kind of segments. Sure. I mean, Alan, you may be good to come in here. How have you you embedded ESG into your process as an advisor? Yeah, so, you know, right from the start, we'd have the conversation with all new clients and existing clients through their reviews. So really to gauge their, their views on responsible investing and try to understand what, what it means to them, because ethical investing is, is quite a, a nuanced um, phrase. You know, it, it's not uncommon to hear people say things uh, use the terms ESG, ethical, sustainable, all interchangeably, you know, in, in everyday speak. And as we know, you know, those terms refer to different ways of investing responsibly. So what we want to do is really understand exactly what they like and what they don't like about ethical investing or you know, traditional investing um, and, and help them meet you know, their, their investment preferences. So, you know, we run um, a centralized investment proposition. We've got seven portfolios. Two of them are um, yeah, ethical ones. And within our traditional portfolios, the five that we already run, we've started to take into, uh, into account of ESG factors. So we look at analyst reports, um, for instance, from Square Mile, uh, which are very, very good. And we, you know, when we're reviewing funds and look at replacement funds, we, we start to pay more particular attention to ESG factors. Um, so something we've never done in the past that we started to do it within our processes and within our traditional portfolios, we've started to allocate about five to ten percent of the portfolio to, to ESG funds. Um, so it's still, you know, still learning, still part of the development. I think as we as the whole industry goes through this whole um, evolution, I think it's you know, we're still learning and, and 
learning best practices from, from other people as well. So obviously on top of that, we undertake um, relevant CPD in, the, in ESG and responsible investing just because it is a, it's a market that's constantly evolving and constantly changing. And we just want to keep up to date with development. So we like to think that we're making great strides in the ESG front. Yeah. It's really pleasing to hear you talk in that way, Alan, actually. It sounds like a, a really progressive way of thinking. I mean, if we think about the choices that customers had in the past, then it was primarily about excluding very large proportions of the financial universe. And so back in the 90s, that might have been a drag on performance. But the way that you were just talking there, then investors can express different preferences. So if there's something that they believe really strongly in, then they can go into an impact investment which will then help them to meet one of the sustainable development goals. Or if there's something they just want to tilt, then they can invest in something that's a bit more overweight in some of the, the, the sectors or some of the topics that they really believe in. And then many fund houses now will have a relatively small number of exclusions. So for example, not many people think that it's a good idea to invest in cluster munitions. Uh, and so most people would exclude those, but in, alcohol, tobacco, energy, people have got different views. And so there aren't really wholesale um, exclusions across those sectors uh, where that was perhaps more of the focus back in the 90s. And I think the point about education is really key. So, you know, sometimes when I speak to advisors, um, they're, they're quite worried about recommending funds which um, you know, might seem to fit the client's objectives and requirements, and but they're worried that then a particular stock gets included in that fund, and you know that the client that upsets the client. Whereas actually, Alan, from what you're saying, you know, and and Gareth, it isn't just about excluding; it is about potentially tilting towards, uh, you know, a fund that maybe represents their values or their preferences, but it doesn't necessarily need to be their whole portfolio. I think that's quite an important point. Absolutely. Um, just to add to that, whenever we speak to a client around ESG or ethical investing in quotes, um, we, we start off by educating the clients around different types of responsible investing. So through you know, all the way through from um, ESG, ethical, sustainable, you know, to impact investing and talking to them about the each, you know, each type um, of responsible investing and to gauge which one of those, maybe all of them or none of them at all, um, you know, tick their boxes, in which case, Maybe it's something we can't help with. Um, you know, it's, it's rare, but we do come across, you know, the um, the very passionate ethical investors who who will come to us and say, you know, we don't want investment in the big banks, or we don't want investment in you know oil and gas companies, and 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 hold very very strict principles in that regard. And so, what we try to educate them about is a lot of this is, is a compromise. You know, that there are no black and white companies when it comes to ethical investing, and it's it's a case of you know, the um, yeah, coming to a compromise, a balance um, between financial gain and um, meeting the ethical um, criteria. So it's, a lot of that goes with educating the client, making sure they understand what they're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one of the biggest challenges kind of facing advisors in this in this remit as well is how do you balance what investors want versus what investors may need and um, how how much does kind of an advisor force the client's hand here? Um, Gareth, any thoughts on that? I think this is hard both ways in terms of, you know, investors that need a high return, then they need to be able to um, potentially invest in a very wide set of investments. And some of them might believe that they've got strong preferences like the ones that Alan just talked through, but excluding large proportions 
of the portfolio could potentially be challenging, um, of the investable universe could potentially be, be challenging. Um, we all love the idea of investing in purely renewable energy assets that will give us a guaranteed 10% return. But sadly, there aren't loads of those types of opportunities out there. And so this balance of investors need for something which is in line with their values, something which meets their return targets, also diversification and availability of those assets. Those are the sorts of challenges that they've got to try to balance. And at an OK cost, right? I mean, you've got to be thinking Absolutely. about the fees of the funds as well. Um, Lorna, anything to add there at all? No, I, th- I think um, what Gar has said there, uh, I totally agree with. Um, it, is, it is difficult. But, but these are the sort of things that advisors are dealing with. This is their bread and butter, really. You know, if you think about the client fact find, it's not just a tick box exercise. If, if I think about risk profiling, for example, you know, advisors will start with a set of questions um, and that will potentially put the client into a particular risk profile. But then it's about a conversation about what does that mean in terms of the return, the types of assets they access, the cost. And in some ways, ESG profiling or capturing preferences is kind of similar to that. It's, it's a similar process. It's about the conversation. It's about understanding what's really important to the customer and agreeing between the advisor and the client um, you know, the right, the right way to go. The great news is that it's no longer a choice. So in the past, people used to think that you could make a choice between something that returns more or something which is responsibly invested. And one of the things that the paper that we have just published, um, EY and, and Royal London together, is covering is that actually ESG is a really good indicator of potential downside risk. Um, it's a good lead indicator of credit risk in terms of downgrades and defaults. Those companies that, for example, have not embedded good governance are more volatile and are potentially at higher risk of being downgrading. And so this is now about good risk management. It's not about giving up returns. Sure. Um, one of the reasons why uh, ESG is kind of tipped to um, become even even more popular and more embedded in in our in our personal finance culture is the amendment to MIFID two, which is meant to be coming into force early next year, where um, advisors are going to be required to ask their clients about their ESG preferences. Um, one thing that some people who kind of think of ESG as a fad say, well, of course, if you ask someone, do you want to invest responsibly, they're more likely going to say yes, even if they, A, hadn't thought about it before, B, isn't really kind of embedded in their own actual um wants and kind of needs but you've asked them so they feel like they should say yes so i mean how how do you make sure that an advisor isn't influencing a client alan how 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 do you kind of bring it up without feeling like you're influencing a client's choice here yeah um i mean as you've alluded to the phrasing of the question is very important and it's important not to if you, if you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer sort of thing. So really try to ask open questions. And what we try to do is understand just how strongly, you know, they feel about certain issues like, you know, in quotes, ethical investing. Um, so for instance, when we look at ESG, for instance, and I use ethical investing, the term ethical investing quite loosely there, 
um, to cover all, all the aspects. But let's look at ESG, for instance. Is it the E, you know, the environmental aspect that really concerns them? Things like climate change or companies, you know, carbon footprint. Or is it the S, you know, is it the social factors, the human rights, the, the, the employee welfare side of things? Or could it be the corporate governance? You know, it's, it's issues sort of take issue with director remunerations and the transparency and the accountability of the company. So really trying to gauge what, you know, which of these areas that the client is looking for um, or, or have issues with and then go a bit deeper as well. So we take it a step further and find out well, why is that important to them? And that's all part of the KYC, the Know Your Client process. And the client may reveal that actually they've been campaigning against animal you know, animal testing all their lives. And this is who they are. And this is very, very fundamental to them. And um, and they want to also make sure their investments are aligned to this. And that tells you a lot about the client and how you should be you know, tackling um, this potential problem and, and, and designing this portfolio for the client. So just a bit is ask open questions and let the client speak and make no presumptions. You know, don't let, just let the client speak and just listen and really listen. You know, really listen to what the client has to say around that. Sure, Lorna. Anything to add there? What, what do you think advisors should be should be doing in terms of their process to make sure they're not leading their client down the wrong avenue? Yeah, so I agree with, with what Alan said there. I think it is starting with education. It's about asking open questions. It's about making sure that there's a a framework in place across the firm where the terminology is really clear. So, you know, we all know what we're talking about when we say uh, sustainable or ESG or ethical or responsible. What does that actually mean? What does that look like? And there's a lot of support already out there um, for advisors in this space. Um, you know, if I think about even the last couple of weeks, the amount of ESG webinars that are available um, you know, to, to, to educate and understand and, and help advisors put in place a framework that, that and a process that means that they can embed this well into their existing processes, I guess. Lovely. Um, what, what preferences do investors tend to have when it comes to ESG investing? We obviously, as an industry, talk a lot about um, the environmental stuff, the climate change, and, and particularly the kind of environmental side. But is that something, Gareth, that investors are kind of definitely leaning towards, or is there other stuff that they're bringing up as well? I think we've got a real opportunity now to bring together a couple of potential challenges in the market. So there's uh, understanding of ESG, but also engagement in finances and wealth. And you might have seen this Make My Money Matter movement, which is all about getting engagement around the three trillion pounds of the pension savings that we've got in the UK. And the idea of this is that people gen generally do feel strongly about something like we talked about earlier on, polar bears, fish, etc., and, and so being able to turn that into something that they can do on their investment is, is really very powerful. I mean, if you think about people um, wanting to express preferences on the way they eat, so we have more, more vegans, people wanting to express preferences in terms of the types of cars that they drive. But actually, the, the biggest single thing that they can influence is their investments and their pension is a really big opportunity to do that. The second thing that I'd say is also people like real metrics. So tons of carbon dioxide saved is something that people can't really engage with. But what they can engage with is if I switch from fund A to fund B, this is equivalent to taking 10 cars off the road. Or this is equivalent to removing landfill the size of Bolton. 
you know, these are the sorts of metrics that people want to be able to engage with, things that they, they can actually tangibly understand. And that's something that I think is really important in terms of you know, being able to get them to engage with their pension. Sure. Um, Alan, what, what are you hearing from your clients? What are kind of the, the, the most common ESG preferences that, that they bring up? Yeah, it's an interesting question because our experience is that most investors are mostly concerned with the E, you know, the environmental um, factors. And I think that's the, that's the one that they hear about more and the one that they know of. Um, so things like sustainable infrastructure, renewable energy, you know, reducing carbon emissions, plastic pollution. And like I say, partly, um, part, yeah, that's brought about by increased media attention, documentaries, the David, David Aston first um, show a couple of years back. And it's really brought that to, you know, the, the um, investors' science, you know, what just, just how much um, damage these, these issues are causing. And actually, a lot of it, they can actually contribute to in a, in a positive way. So we, we take that and that's a, that's generally the starting point where we discuss it from the clients to understand where they're coming from when they, when they talk about ethical. And it's generally, like I said, starting from the environmental stuff. And then that opens up uh, the conversation to the rest of the package, what uh, response we're investing has to offer. So, you know, there's also the, like I said, the social factors, the, the corporate governance factors, but also more the sustainable themes as well. You know, it could be investing in you know, renewable energy sources or cleaner water resources around the world so it it's um, it's really interesting to see and I, like i say we're starting to have more and more of that conversation with clients um who come to us around ethical investing and it's, it's just it's good to see that evolving um very quickly actually we carried out um, a program of research with about two thousand customers over the summer and um, you know as alan said environmental concerns were the single most important factor that came through but actually we also saw um, issues such as fair wages, modern slavery policies starting to appear within the kind of top five concerns that customers wanted addressed. So I think probably what we've seen as we emerge from COVID is that the, the S, the social aspect, um, is becoming stronger than it was previously. So I think that's really interesting and it just highlights how this space you know, evolves um, quite quickly and keeping up to speed with all of that um, is, is really important in, in terms of giving advice to, to your clients. Sure. Um, and o open question to, to all of you. Um, how solid is this change in investor sentiment? Um, as, as I mentioned previously, you do still have people that, have, that work on the ground in the industry that that call it a fad, that say it's something that's going to come and go and, you know, we'll be back to to all sustainable funds closing down and um, and all of that. Do you think investors will continue along this trend? This is not a fad anymore. This is a solid change. I think if you look at the evidence of performance, some of the stuff we've talked about today, if you look at the demand from the consumers, the topics that Lorna just described, people care about these points. And if you look at the amount of regulation, so 38 of the, of the top 50 countries have now passed regulation, which looks to embed ESG into our financial products. The, the convergence of those three topics just makes this unbreakable now. And so we're, we're going we're to continue to see this grow, not die away. I completely agree with Gareth's sentiment there. I think it's, it's not a fad. I think there is 
a, a quite a clear underlying shift towards more responsible investing and people just generally becoming more conscious about this sort of thing. And I mean, coincidentally, we have seen these investments as well have been very resilient in, in recent times, you know, in the very difficult times during the pandemic. And naturally, that would attract attention from all investors, not just ESG or ethical investors, but all investors. So um, but I think I think it's here to stay. I'm, in fact, I believe it's here to stay. And I think in a couple of years' time, we won't be talking about traditional investing versus ESG investing. It will be fully embedded in a couple of years' time, three, five years' time, however long it takes. And it will just be the norm. It will just be called investing in general. You know, we won't be talking about the differences between the two anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. Alan, Lorna, Gareth, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the FT Advisor podcast. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.